You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on The Sports Objective. Join Coach C, a USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete with the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Welcome to Absolute Empowerment. Uh, today we have a very special guest again. Uh, Coach Mike Gentry, a USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, Virginia Tech Hall of Famer, uh, a colleague of mine and a longtime friend. And Mike, it's just really great to have you on the show. Happy to be here. Very happy. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to kind of start out with uh, a few statements because we go back in history quite a few years, a few decades, of course, in this profession. And, uh, you know, we had to start with some beliefs. And so uh, many, many years, uh, I guess, later after I got started, and really not too long ago, I kind of came to this conclusion that I was actually a rogue strength coach. So mm. uh, uh, I, I reference uh, Richard Marcinko's book, of course, A Rogue, Rogue Warrior, and uh, I just want to go through a few statements uh, and give us a little bit of something to kind of uh, marinate on a little bit, talk about. The first one is, I will test my theories on myself first. I will mm -hmm. be my own guinea pig. So, uh, Mike, going back to where we we originally learned a little bit about strength training, we started to train. We we started to become educated and develop a passion for this thing somehow. Tell tell me your little your story there, where this this statement is concerned. Okay, well, really. Um... I was one of those guys that was a mediocre athlete because I tried hard to be one, to be that level, at least to get to that level. So uh, it really wasn't about um, any expertise in athleticism that got brought me to this point to down this road. What really did was uh, in Durham, North Carolina, where I grew up, I um, happened into a, guy, a buddy or some high school friend, uh, took me to this little backyard gym that was literally not really a commercial gym at all, but just a really small little building that housed some, uh, where some former Mr. North Carolina's currently trained and then a bunch of other guys trained around them. And it was just, um, for one thing I'm wrestling about 145. you know, I'm not a very big guy. And uh, yeah. when I got in that room, I'd never seen any, any people like that, uh, except in the magazines. And I said, man, this is what, you know, internally I knew that's what I wanted to try to get into. So it was a culture or a subculture. And, um, you know, the, about five o'clock in the afternoon, the shifts would change at the tobacco factories and then in would come these guys and, and they train their tail ass off. I'll just be honest. And uh, it, it was, I, I can go on and on about it. And I took different people there over the years and trained and, um, not, not a thing fancy about it, nothing fancy about it, all homemade equip, equipment, but some people training 
super hard and getting some super results, you know, as far as I was concerned, you know, Maitland Nance owned it a guy named Maitland Nance. And he went on to uh, win a lot of over 40, over 50, over 60, Mr. Americas and things. And he was a great influence on a lot of people in there. He, uh, he tried to correct me early. He said, uh, the, the muscle Mike, it really doesn't know how much weight's on the bar. It only knows how hard it's working. You know, so that was his way of telling me, clean your form up, you know, don't, don't be so sloppy with everything. But of course I didn't do that because I wanted to lift more on the bar. So that was a big influence on me. And then later when I went to Western Carolina, I really didn't know what a strength coach was until Bill Starr put his book out, The Strongest Shall Survive. And that made a huge impact. I I said, man, this is it. Cause I was all, I, I kind of eliminated things I didn't want to do. I always thought I should be in business. I kind of liked English, but I stayed in physical, physical education because it was just what I did. And then uh, when I found out it was possible to merge maybe physical education with coaching and training, I thought, man, that, that can't be a job that good. And so that's what I really put in the back of my mind um, for. So, but anyway, that's, that's kind of how I got started. Just a very mediocre athlete that uh, liked to train, wanted to be bigger and stronger found a way I could do it and, and had the good fortune just to stumble in somewhere where there were some people doing it on a, on a pretty good level. And that inspired me. Gotcha. Yep. I took I everybody on our hall at Western. I took everybody there to work out everybody, <laughs> you know, just, I don't care what, who, the what, but they just wanted to see something that I, if I liked it that much, they kind of wanted to see what the hell it was about, you know, <laughs> so it was, uh, that's what we did. But, yeah, I got you know some, somewhat similar story. I mean, uh, my dad was a coach. He, you know, one one time when I was in I don't know what a sixth or seventh grade or something. He brings this thing home called an extra genie, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you could you could turn the knobs and tighten it or loosen it, and basically pulling this rope through this resistance device at certain levels. And that that was kind of my first uh, wake up call to okay. Uh, this is actually a resistance training of some sort that could build strength. I remember that. Make me, uh, to be a larger athlete, which, you know, I was, uh, I've never been a guy has been huge in stature. I'm, I was, you know, five ten on a good day through my life. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, it's just like, you, you know, I think I wrestled at 155 when I was like, like sophomore <laughs> junior in high school. And, uh, you know, the hell of it is, Jeff, now we're having to – I'll actually put 5'9 down and stuff, you know, because I'm losing – I lost the 5'10. Yeah. And uh, daggone it, you know. <laughs> there's too many losses in this thing. Yeah. No doubt. But, but, uh, but yeah, and then I had a, you know, a friend of my dad's who was also a coach who played at West Virginia, took me and introduced me to Nautilus, uh, mm-hmm. took me and introduced me to uh, one of his friends who was a bodybuilder. And started me into, uh, you know, in becoming interested in lifting. And, of course, I don't think I ever lifted properly and didn't really lift from my legs a whole lot. Uh, you know, back where I, I grew up, we actually stayed back a year, so we'd have another year of high school. So I went, switched schools, went to eighth grade twice. I'll be doggone. I, so I was, uh, you know, 19 when I graduated or whatever. And that helped me probably gain another 10 pounds. 
Right. And, uh, you know, it helped me to, to, uh, to gain some scholarship money to go to, to, you know, play ball in college and, uh, <clears throat> at Salem, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And when we were there, you know, we, they, Salem didn't have much of a budget. So our strength training facility, of course, were, uh, was a, uh, it was one of those universal machines, progressive resistance, universal machines. And then we'd have barbells around it. So we would do a circuit, uh, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off with barbells. And if you can believe this, we were expected to do, to do 10 power cleans off a concrete floor in 30 seconds. Wow. And uh, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I bet so. I bet it was but, very uh, But we uh, we got strong. Yeah. Uh, no question about that. I think, we, I think we did that circuit four or five days in a row. So... Uh, um, hey, we didn't know any better. We just, Hey, let's, let's, yeah. let's go to work, you know? And that's uh, exactly right. We had a pretty good football team, but that was my introduction. And then, uh, I got into some competitive powerlifting meets, mm-hmm. uh, uh, became a you know, long story, became a police officer. I won the Florida state police Olympics uh, one year. Um, uh, and then I think I got up to right around, you know, 16 plus total, maybe 16, 20 total at a 181. And oh, uh, you know, I felt good about that because we, yeah, we didn't have that, much. That was gear. my best total too. I, I did sixteen hundred at two twenty. Big that difference is. between two twenty and one eighty one. But, but yeah. I felt good about. I thought, man, that's about all I can do. I mean, yeah. I really thought I, I said, you know, I guarantee you, it, you know, yeah, that's I guarantee you that's all I could do at eighty one. No doubt about that. But yeah. uh, but yeah, you know, great. that lift was my was my best best lift, but. No, that really all that got me interested in in strength training, uh, yeah, in the strength training progress uh, profession, and, and of course, I didn't even know what a strength coach was. Right. And then when I heard about this uh, strength coaching profession and the NSCA, I was like, "Wow, that's something I could really get interested in." And uh, I ended up kind of, uh, I think I snuck into a conference for a couple sessions down in Florida somewhere. And what was interesting was strength coaches back then were pretty much hired because of their enormous stature. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's right. And you, you had, uh, that's, that's pretty much right. Either they were former athletes just needing to finish up something or they were big, big people. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. So, uh, so that's, that's what kind of got me interested, but, uh, but yeah, being your own Guinea pig, I wish I knew how many squats I did in my life, you know, yeah. or even, you know, me too. Hey, we, you know, we, uh, we were heavily influenced by, and I'm going to talk about, talk about this in a couple questions here, but I think we were heavily influenced by powerlifting, of course, initially. You know, I had the influence of being around those bodybuilders and yeah. learning that their mantra was, you need to drink a gallon of milk a day. Uh, you need to eat a dozen eggs a day you need to take 40 liver tabs a day. And I pass that along to so many athletes, you know, and uh, a lot of them have done it. And then they were huge on 20 rep squats. Every, yeah. every time these guys, they lifted four days a week, every time they, it was a leg day, you could see them. They were in that squat rack and coach, they would do, uh, they would squat to the bottom. Uh, they would squat to their tail, hit a milk crate. Right. That's low. And oh, you yeah. know, narrow stance and high bar. And uh, after they finished squats, which I promise you, I saw George Clayton, who was a Mr. NC, go up to 365 for 20. 
go up to it, coach. Wow. I, no, I could my, I'll tell you, my best didn't compare to that. And uh, then they would go to a homemade hack squat machine and then go to a leg homemade leg curl. And they were all 20 reps. Yeah. They had legs like uh, plats. So this George Clayton, late, the late George Clayton had a, legs like plats. He had to walk around them. You know, it was really amazing. And uh, anyway, so I was exposed to the bodybuilding guys there and the powerlifting. I, I found my way to that, but I never really saw any Olympic lifters until I really went to UNC as a, a grad assistant. Yeah. Yeah. Just wasn't yeah. around any. So. Yeah. And I lived in Tennessee for a period of time. And so I, I was in a couple of Doc Creases uh, uh, events at Vandy. Yeah. And he did a great job setting up those uh, powerlifting meets there. Uh, I enjoyed so, uh, Doc Crease. And yeah. boy, you know, when he was he- healthy and well, I never saw a better presenter than him. He was right. entertainment yeah. and he was great, you know. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. The profession misses him, no doubt. <clears throat> so the he next was- one is uh, I'll be totally committed to what I believe and I will risk all I have for those beliefs. Mm. To our detriment sometimes. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I would always tell guys, hey, look, I'm not compromising anything and you're going to have to kill me if you want me to, because where it comes to, to my four things, which was accountability, work ethic, discipline, and spirit, I'm not moving an inch. Well, it made you great, and, man. Uh, yeah. Talk a little bit about that with your approach. Well, um, accountability. Yeah. Um, I always try to treat people the same. Yeah. At, at least in terms of, uh, as you know, later we're going to speak about discipline a little bit and, and those kind of things. I always had rules and before every cycle, I would give them another handwritten page of the rules, you know, whatever they were. And they'd seen that many times. And back in the pre um, cell phone days, you know, they'd have my phone number and so forth. And if they were going to miss or be late. I expect them to communicate. And, yeah. um, then we could work through it. But if you don't communicate, you know, that was big. And, um, right. uh, so yeah, be, being accountable, um, treating people different motivationally because some kids really responded to different things, motivate motivationally. But as far as their the rules, yeah, I, 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 they knew over time that, uh, if it was, uh, Michael Vick, or, uh, you know, I don't remember him ever. Coach, one time Michael Vick came to me and says, Coach Sports Illustrated wants me to do a cover uh, photo out here outside, you know. And I said, well, you need to get out there and do it. You know, they don't show up here every day. And uh, that's the kind of uh, power. I don't know. That's not the right word, but that's the kind of commitment that these kids had, you know, that they were – they they didn't think about blowing a lot of things off or anything like that. So, and that made them great, you know, so sure. a lot of them and uh, coach, I know you've experienced this and we talk about it anytime, but one of the nicest things to me, and it happened at that uh, hall of fame thing for Virginia tech is, you know, when those hard hits, those guys that you battle and you battle and you battle and then, 20 years later, they come back and said, coach, you're the only one that cared enough uh, to hold me accountable. Yeah. And, you know, and I appreciate it and, and makes that, that makes your career right there. A lot of times. No doubt about it. Yeah. No doubt about it. 
Yeah. It's the most satisfying thing there is about the career, no doubt. Yep. So the next thing would be, I will always make it crystal clear where I stand and what I believe. Yeah. And uh, that kind of falls in line with what we just said. Yeah, I wanted to, uh, I didn't want there to be any, uh, the thing I hate worst is a lack of authenticity in, in our country, in our, whatever we're doing. And I strive to be uh, one face per person, please, you know, right. and just, let's just call it like we see it, say it how it is and, and try to, you know, be good about it and how you do it. I, I found coach that if, if you can put a little humor in there, sometimes it'll sure help things go a lot easier. Oh, no so, doubt. Yeah. So I found plenty of ways to laugh at myself. You know, <laughs> One you were tell, talking about, I'll try things out myself. I remember down in that old weight room way off campus warehouse at East Carolina when I was fortunate enough to get that job. Um, we, they were doing heavy front squats and stuff. And I was looking at that and I said, man, I can do that. So I decided I'm just going to jump in there and get a set too. You know, I was young enough and dumb enough to think that that might be a good idea. And I jumped in there and um, my pants didn't rip. I had on corduroy Levi's. They exploded and it was boom, big boom. And of course I had already started. So I went ahead and finished, you know, the reps or whatever yeah. I was doing. And you talk, you talk about howling, laughing, everybody in there, including me. I mean, I give them plenty of chances to laugh. So that was one of them. Yeah. yeah. I've seen a lot, a lot of worse things happen with people standing <laughs> through a squat. That's for sure. Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> Okay, so then uh, uh, I will always be easy to find. I will be at the center of the battle. There you go. Well, we were easy to find in this profession because we were at the battles too, and we were after the battles, and then we had to be there the next day. And many times in my career, we we were set up, but we trained on Sunday. And, um, you know, we played around with that rule of uh, giving them a day off, and we fudged it sometimes, and we – and we didn't sometimes. And when we fudged it, it was a voluntary mandatory Sunday workout, you know, which we got a lot out of physically, but it was hard. And, uh, you know, so that was a battle too. We, we had plenty of battle opportunities. If you want a chance to battle, jump in to strength and conditioning, you'll, you'll be presented with times to battle and to be consistent and everything, I think, but you'll also be able to help people grow. So no doubt. Good, well, good deal. Yeah, and the way another way I saw that was is you know I wanted to be on the floor. I wanted to be in the middle of the floor. I want to see everybody. Uh, I wanted to walk up and down, see everybody lift. I wanted, to, of course, see everybody move because mm-hmm. I love. You know, I always yep. love speed development stuff. But uh, but uh, that to me was being in the middle of the battle and uh, being on your feet. You know, if you're on your feet 10, 12 hours, then you're on your feet 10, 12 hours. That's right. I mean, uh, you know, when and I you first, are. To, yeah. to, uh, first went to UNC, I, I said, hey, we're going to have six groups because I'm breaking it down where I know all these guys inside and out. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, now, that was a long day. That is a long day, Coach. That was one of those I, I probably would have adjusted later. <laughs> no <laughs> question about it. Um, yeah, John Stucky was exactly like you were saying, though. They said you could not go in. I got to know him a little bit when I was at ECU, and he was still a position coach at State. And okay. what a great man. And um, anyway, he got into strength and condition. They said, you will never go in his weight room and, and there's a squat day. And he's not in there on that floor making sure that every one of them's getting low enough, you know. 
Right. So, I mean, that's just, if you're going to be good, you're going to have to do those things. I think. I know that about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really thought it was very important for, for me to know everybody inside and out, you know, yeah. from top to bottom. And, uh, you know, so you study, you study people and, thing about it is it doesn't take long to get to know people as far you need, you learn a whole lot about somebody in about a week. Yeah. You know, I mean a lot. <clears throat> so, uh, and it's just like you said, then you're going to take different types of approaches based on, you know, that individual. Hmm. So, uh, one, one comment about leadership, no man is a leader until his appointment is ratified in the minds and hearts of his men. Hmm. No doubt. Yeah. And it, like we were talking about when they come back to you and said that, yeah. you know, that you changed and helped them or they'll bring their kids in, um, to meet you yeah. and, um, or you'll get post or communication and they might say something like you were a father to so many of us who didn't have one. Um, I've had that from a cap from a fire captain in DC and, um, man, it gives me chills right now, you know? Because uh, that's a that's a responsibility for us to live up to what who we're supposed to be, you know, and who we're supposed to be, like you said, is somebody that's never that's always in the middle of the fight. We're always going to show up, so don't worry about that. If you've got a punishment situation and we're we're having to do it, we the strength coach is going to be there, right. and if you know that's always unless there's something <laughs> unless he died on the way or something, he's yeah. going to be there, yeah. Yeah, going back to making it crystal clear about what I stand for, what I believe. I mean, I, I tell guys, look, you know, I don't. There's a lot of great strength coaches out there, and uh, uh, a lot of us have been defined by, you know, of course, wins or losses, and you know that that's based on who we're working for at the time or over time. Uh, but what I want to do is, I want you guys to know that I'm trying to be the smartest strength coach. You know? Boy, I, I can see that, coach. And I don't, this is no smoke, but, uh, I've never seen anybody that studied it more. And uh, like you mentioned, the speed element of things. And, um, I, I just don't know anybody that was in the profession that put more into learning about it and using it, not just learning about it to talk about it, but actually trying to incorporate it. And, uh, I know that was a huge difference for you. Yeah. I appreciate that. No question. So, uh, you know, Going back to kind of what got us into the profession, uh, I guess we move forward now a little bit, you know, from uh, what got us into being interested in strength training to how we got in the profession. And uh, uh, tell me where, where your entry was. Well, let me tell you, um, of course, I tried. To, here's what my path was. I went to Western Carolina. I went and student taught at a high school in Black Mountain, North Carolina, uh, Charles D. Owen High School. And my supervising teacher quit, you know, I hope it wasn't related situation, but he quit. And so I took over as a student teacher and they hired me back the next year. And I uh, coached three sports and uh, did all the ninth grade boys PE. And I tried to do, to do it right. And I found out it's pretty pretty tough job because when you roll from one sport to the next and some of the, like I was doing track, I didn't know anything about it. I'm strictly coaching it out of a book but I got the football players out there and that helped, you know? So, yeah. uh, but anyway, the point is I went to, uh, 
to the public school system. And I decided if I'm going to stay in this thing, maybe I need to go back and get a master's. And so I can at least make a thousand more dollars a year. The salary at that time was 9,000 something. And I got a thousand combined for doing the three sports. So I went and I, I, uh, I never thought I would go to UNC because to me, I'm a Western Carolina guy. That's flannel shirts and jeans period in the story you know <laughs> yeah. and oh, I said, yeah. I'll, I'll never fit in over there i'm wearing a peter peterbilt hat hat you know and um but i went and what i found out was there's so many people there that you find whatever group you want to if you want to yeah. find you know it wasn't yeah. wasn't anything like i expected but i really had to work to get into the strength and conditioning area so i'm on campus and i had a pe um assistantship to teach a couple PE classes. That was a whole, di- that's a whole different story. And, uh, I was working at the local Nautilus center, but I decided I thought I had enough time, you know, to help, help them out with football training. And they had a good program. Uh, it was Paul Houlihan that was running it. And, and man, he was a wild and still is a wild man. And Charles Waddell, uh, he was one of the last three sport athletes at, at uh, UNC. Yeah. Great man. If you know him, he's a super guy. And do you remember Bun Rames, Bundini Rames? I do not. Okay. Well, he was there with us too. And I can't, there may have been a few others, but so they turned me down flat. I went up there to, uh, to see coach Houlihan. And so I went back about five times and the last time he wasn't there. So I sat down at his desk and I wrote 10 reasons why I'd make you a damn good strength coach. Now coach, (laughs) I was foolish enough to think there might've been something there that was true, but, I think the guy just got sick of me and he said, okay, I'm going to take you on. He paid me $5 an hour and to eat on the training table. I thought I was, that was meant my, my, that was great. And, uh, it, that was just how the good Lord helped me get involved there. It was just persistence. And I just wanted to do it so bad. I I felt like I could teach those guys something about lifting weights, you know? And, uh, but I learned more than anything else. And, there were some really, it was one of the best, most athletic football teams I've ever been around. You know, uh, Amos Lawrence, um, you can name, there's just so many, Lawrence Taylor, uh, so many great ones. So that's how I got started with the strength and conditioning uh, thing. And I finished my master's and uh, stayed one more year with them. And then uh, I, I was getting ready to go back to high school, had to contract to go to Rale- Raleigh Broughton. And, um, I didn't really want to go. I didn't want to go. So I just held on to that contract and somebody said, East Carolina university's open, got an opening. Well, yeah. I got in my car and I just went down there. I didn't have an appointment and I just went down there and saw coach Emery. And, uh, yeah. he says, all right, he listened to me for a while. And he says, all right, go on over there to the AD and say, and tell him you want the job. Yeah. <laughs> the job paid 12,000 a year. Yeah. And uh, that's exactly what happened, you know. We're we're gonna get back to that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get back to that. But uh, yeah, I had a similar deal where uh, I was coaching high school, yeah. and uh, I was actually offensive coordinator and uh, head wrestling coach. And then I I got involved with uh, Bob Ferraro at uh, Bucknell University. He came down to do a, a clinic for us. And, he said, "Well, why don't you come to Bucknell and be the strength coach for the wrestlers?" And I'll talk to the AD to see if we don't have a strength coach there at the university. So, uh, yeah, I just packed up my stuff, quit my job, and went to Bucknell. And 
got my master. You know, I was going to get my master's degree for free at Bucknell. Right. Which I, 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 man, I'm, I hope I'm smart enough to get my master's degree. <laughs> yeah. So it was very high academic institution. And uh, I became a director of all these dorms. Mm. And I started a strength program there and uh, I started working with football. They started, you know, include me with football and because uh, Joe Susan, the offensive line coach was doing both. And so uh, over a period of time, he handed it to me and, and that's basically how I got started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never was a GA or an assistant. I just started as a head strength coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Thankfully I, I benefited from being a helper. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I had to teach myself everything. That's why I, I didn't have a mentor, but <laughs> so, but uh, that's, uh, and, and then, you know, we'll talk a little bit about ECU and how I got there. But uh, so anyway, I just want to move to, uh, you know, some of the things that influenced us, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, bodybuilding. Uh, Jeff, can, know, I t- uh, can I mention a fellow that influenced uh, both at Virginia Tech and East Carolina that nobody yeah, would know about? There was a guy. um Actually, I, I said that wrong. He was at uh, UNC when I was there. He's a very eccentric guy. Uh, he was a super heavyweight Olympic lifter, lifter and he had influenced um, Paul Houlihan into putting in Olympic lifting in, and knew about periodization and knew about some of the science behind this before anybody else that I knew knew anything about it. And he put it in for uh, Coach Houlihan basically was the brains behind it, but he was such an eccentric guy. You never knew where he was coming from. Like for instance, uh, when I first met him, I got, he, I was in his car and he reached under the seat and got a boiled egg, you know, and, and offered me one. I'm like, wow, I got to get the hell out of here. But the, uh, uh, the thing about it was, uh, he also left, uh, North Carolina and went to Virginia tech. And from and Mike Mansfield, I don't know if you've ever, if you ever remember yes, Mike. Sir. Oh yeah. I, I met Mike a few times and I was shocked when he passed on. Oh yeah. Oh, Mike was authentic. No doubt about it. And, um, but anyway, he taught Mike how to do these things too. And so what I'm talking about is they did clean variations. They did push jerk variations, uh, front squats as I'm, as a, this was happening at UNC. And then when I went up to, um, tech they were doing them doing it too so he had had an influence on these two big programs yeah ended up going to saudi arabia as a strength coach and uh later on tragically killed himself uh and i that was a real tragedy to me and a lot of people that knew him because he was a good soul and he just was so different he was it was hard to fit in but he had a tremendous impact on two college programs and nobody knows knows his name lee shorter he's a west virginia guy wow thanks for allowing me to yeah 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 if i was ever in a bar fight i'd want mike mansfield on my side no doubt you know mike mansfield yes that'd be a good pick (laughs) mike mansfield was voted the sexiest man in virginia (laughs) i kid you not you know some people get in no not at all it was a marriott thing i think they had in the clubs and marriott the marriott yeah And uh, so somehow he came out on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite a character, no doubt. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, bodybuilding. Uh, 
just want to talk maybe a little bit about uh, free form multi-joint movements and how important those were to us, you know, when we got in and, you know, what we thought about those and what, what ended up being your, your favorite barbell movements over the years uh, uh, with your programs. Well, I'm a squat guy. So I always believe that if uh, that's the foundation, that's where you should start. And I tried to teach them how to uh, front squat as well, because when I was in that gym, they were front squatting. And actually a power lifter, older guy, had kind of helped me along in there and he taught me how to do it. And I just knew how much it had cleaned up my back squat. A good front squatter, I just thought usually was a pretty good back squatter. And over my career, I actually evolved more to front squats, even uh, testing it. So I'd start there. Uh, we always did some form of pull, or explosive pull. And, you, and early on, it was hang clean for me. And then later, power clean. And I uh, saw the benefit in that. We did behind-the-neck push jerks, which at the time I called push press because I didn't know any better. And I had guys that would throw up 400-plus pounds over their head. And, and then we'd have a guy on each side to help them down. Well, that would just – eventually I just got afraid that we were, somebody's going to break the neck doing it, you know, be, not because of the lift or the lifter, but because of the spotter. Uh, so I evolved away from the behind the neck into the regular push jerk and let them drop it. And, um, and you know, Jeff, later on, I actually got involved with the snatches. Uh, I've stayed away and I called Johnny. I used Johnny with Parker was a mentor and I'm thankful for that. And I, I said, coach, I'd like kind of like to do some snatches with them, but I don't know really how to teach it or what. He said, well, did they do Can they hang clean and catch it, uh, racket? And I said, yeah. I said, we'll just tell them to rack it over their head and not at the shoulders. Just that simple, you know? And I said, that's the smartest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and so we tried it and it worked. So ended up, uh, I would start people learning how to snatch and go to the clean after that, you know? Right. So that's kind of the uh, things I tested. Of course, we tested bench press uh, in addition to that. But uh, I, And then personally, I like doing rows. I liked uh, if guys got really strong backs, you know, from doing bent over rows. I yeah. thought that was really good. So. Yeah, bent over barbell rows. Great, mm-hmm. great stuff. Yeah, yep. yeah, the, uh, yeah. Uh, I feel the same way. I was big on squats, of course, uh, and uh, got into the Olympic lifts, uh, along with that but i I always like coming from the floor you know uh, because i thought it just involved absolute strength power and deceleration and you're getting the best bang for your buck with one exercise and uh, then i I definitely got into snatches for a period of time i love snatches uh not so much from the floor of course because you have to have a great flexibility to get into that position with the wider grip and uh you know have a good position with your torso uh, getting your hips low enough. So I, you know, I, I use the hang snatch most of the time. And I had guys, uh, I had quite a few guys that were, you know, 250, 260, yeah. whatever, 270, couple guys. And uh, so I, I really like that. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times you get guys dis- with this discomfort with the, the rack position with the claim. And you didn't have that discomfort with the snatch. So, right. Yeah. It's, I like the snatch a lot. I usually did st- always start with the hang snatch and then work down, you know, later. Yeah, of course, uh, you know, looking at kind of schemes, you, know, you have three-day, four-day, you know, you got four-day classical. I, I call it a classical four-day uh, uh, four split push-pull, and I, I uh, evolved 
into a four-day split push-pull, uh, but that was mostly for linemen. I like the three-day for my skill guys because mm-hmm. I wanted to do a lot more speed work with them, and uh, I didn't feel like they needed it. That's you interesting know. that you did that. I did I uh, did that as well. And, yeah. um, you know, we haven't, we didn't, I didn't write down even to talk about Terry Long, but uh, Terry yeah. Long became the one uh, at minimum of the strongest football players in the country. I, I don't think there's a doubt about it. I could tell you some of the assistance lifts that he did that were incredible. But he only trained three days a week. We trained him Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for his power meet. And, uh, so I became a real believer in more is not always better in terms of strength yeah. and so forth. So, yeah, I'm yeah, with you. Know, you get that full recovery on a day in between. And, of course, uh, uh, you know, I really like Boucher Snyder and a lot of stuff that he does. And what he talks about is, uh, you know, just some, some moderate work on that Tuesday, Thursday to promote mm-hmm. moderate levels of lactate, to promote growth hormone and uh, and recovery. And so, uh, you know, that was kind of uh, – I was like – Man, boo, that's I'm glad you told me that because that's something I had been doing, but I didn't know why. So thanks, man. Yeah. So <laughs> sometimes you just instinctively go to it, don't you? Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, the thing I learned uh I guess instinctively you know this because you see a lot of kids train this way, but if you want to grow a muscle, you gotta train near failure. You, yeah. you you know, if you're doing 20 reps, it's gotta end near failure. If you're doing five. It's, there's got to be a set or two that is near failure if you want that muscle to really grow. And yeah. uh, so there's a, you know, a, something that I didn't really understand. And if you're going to go to f- failure, you need to, you're going to need some rest in there too. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, if you want to get stronger, you got to add weight. Hey, you know, yeah, that's, that's how you get stronger. That's right. Which goes to your I question was- about uh, why do we care about records and, boards and things right you know? uh yep you know can, yeah you want ahead. to talk about that yeah go ahead yeah. well to me they gave make it competitive and i like to see guys compete and they gave them goals and um and i wanted to be i want to give out a bunch of t-shirts i was already always a big t-shirt guy and me i too. created yeah man yeah. i just yeah i just want yeah. uh the power of a t-shirt when you're talking about people that respect the activity is great. And, um, I mean, I've seen big my guy in the NFL right now just cried like a big, big offensive lineman for Cleveland, uh, from tech. That's just turning it out. He, he cried like a baby because he didn't make super iron hokey outside our weight room. You know, <laughs> I mean, God, it broke my heart, but you know, I knew he'd make it next time. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, give them a goal, give them something to shoot for, let them be proud of it and put a shirt on them so they others can see it. And this is just one little, probably not so smart, but for, I never changed that shirt over 29 years at Virginia tech because mm-hmm. I wanted the old guys to see it and know what it meant. And I wanted those young guys to see the old guys. If they had one, I wanted them to know this, this, this is not trans uh, trans transactional or whatever. This is just, this is to stay, you know, and it, so we kept that super iron hokey thing going. Maybe not always the, because in order to let them be doing the same lifts, there were many times that I thought, man, some of our skill guys don't need to be doing some of these things. Yeah. But I wanted to, I felt the, the, the pack being tight, uh, the family being tight overruled that, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was always big on, 
on that. I'm big on the awards board. Uh, any way that I could recognize somebody, uh, I wanted. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to include that in my program. And so what I got into was testing teams. So and then we'd have a draft, and uh, I'd pull numbers out of a hat with the seniors, and they they would uh, pick their team. We'd have everybody's name up there. Who went? You know, we'd have a, a an order of who went first. And if you had 12 guys on your team, I only took the first 10 results in case somebody was injured and couldn't do that test. Okay, uh, yeah. That worked real well because, you know, it made it fair with the total points. But we'd post the points each day as we went through the tests. Mm-hmm. So the guys would come in and look at that. And then, of course, at Carolina, man, I would I would have these enormous trophies and medals. And I don't know what all, man. I mean, I, whatever money they would give me, yeah. I said, man, I'm a – I give them T-shirts, uh, you know, trophies, whatever. But uh, at ECU, uh, in my early years there, it was it was definitely more about a T-shirt, no doubt about that, because yeah. that's about all we could afford as well. And uh, when you look at this NIL deal now, you know, I don't know what you'd give a kid, you know, or, or how you'd motivate a kid. He's probably going to tell you, hey, look, I'm making a million dollars. I'm not doing power cleans today. So, you know, I don't know how that works, but uh, – but, uh, you know, and the thing, thing about it, too, was as the NCAA got involved with discretionary weeks and all this stuff, our time in the winter got reduced by, you know, a few weeks down to like six and a half weeks is all you got in your winter program uh, because you were also doing morning conditioning. You know, they were still doing mat drills. Yeah. So you had to fight that, too, as far as recovery yeah. was concerned. But uh well, Coach, uh, I remember yeah. writing many 12-week summer programs when I started this business, you yeah. know, 12 yeah. weeks. And, man, I'm out there, <laughs> and I'm out there at that track at, at East Carolina where it was the track was torn to pieces when I was there. It was it really still probably, torn to pieces. Yeah. Still okay. torn to pieces. <laughs> but, I did, but I still used it. And, uh, man, the, I'm yelling at them because, hey, it's May. It's May. You know, yeah. and uh, like that, like May, Coach, we're not going to play to August, but yeah. we're running, you know. And I know you know because you you ran them too. And, oh, yeah. Uh, harder than anybody probably. But uh, Well, I did a lot of you – know, people think I was crazy because I believed in, you know, 300s around the field and it was hard and I didn't get much rest and I made them do a lot of reps. And, yeah. And but the thing about it is, you know, I'm not going to get into this in any great extent, but there was a scientific reason behind it. Nobody knew that. I always believe energy systems worked interchange. I mean, I do you don't too. just work one energy system. Uh, you know, uh, energy coach, system. with you. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I mean, so uh, what I believed, and I still believe wholeheartedly, particularly because I played defensive back in college, is that you need that second anaerobic training, second anaerobic energy system training, so you can recover more readily between bouts and short activity over over a period of time, and particularly when you get it, you're facing an offense that's no huddle offense. Mm-hmm. And defensive backs don't get many sub. You don't you don't you don't see many people subbing DBs. Right. So, yeah, we know, talked about this long, long time ago, and yeah. I think we were both doing this. We were training that glycolytic energy system right. because we wanted that, and that's going to that's going to lay the foundation for our anaerobic systems that we're getting ready to train next months or so. And, yeah. um, yeah, I actually, people, yeah, go ahead. A lot of people kind of, you know, got away from, I, I believe they got away from it just because their the players didn't want to do it. You know, I think I mean, you're a hundred percent correct. Yeah. So, uh, uh but hey, I, I had yeah. the support of the head coach and that's what we were going to do. 
Yeah. Well, that's that's me too, and I think uh, I, I I probably would not be a good fit uh, for uh, people that uh, think that they are entitled and don't yeah. want to do certain things. You know, when when you know it would be good for them if done correctly, and uh, so you know, the good Lord has a way of taking care of us, I guess, and. Um, okay. You know, and uh, sometimes it's hard to understand it at the time, but um, but I'm thankful. Yeah. 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 Well, getting back to to the lifts a little bit, you know, now you have uh, okay, you're going to identify starting strength, uh, speed strength, strength speed, acceleration, uh, and also absolute strength. Uh, so these are the categories that are kind of laid down through the uh, uh, VBT training, you know, velocity-based training. So you're in certain zones when you're training so you can recover. But, you know, we, we eyeballed that back in the day, or we said today's a medium day. Uh, today might yeah. be a light day. And so yeah. I, I like knockdowns. So I always did, okay, we got our heavy days. Uh, we're knocking down 20 or we're knocking down 30. We're knocking whatever we're knocking down today off of that. Mm-hmm. That's Bill Starr. Bill Starr had a lot to say about that. And, um, you know, he, people think Bill Starr was just clean squat and press five sets of five. No, he had yeah. plenty of variation in there. You just had to read enough and pay attention enough. You know, he definitely had the heavy, medium light and that's how he determined it. And, uh, that was a three day a week for the most part, but he even had the flexibility to put them in four. The guy was really smart. You know, Bill, uh, what is Ripito's, um, Mark Ripito? Yeah. He was, uh, I talked to him one time and he had trained with Bill Starr for like 14 years. He said they were right. training partners and, uh, man, you got to learn something, you know, in some of those, uh, in when you're around good people. So, yeah, I, I paid to go to a Ripito clinic. I thought, well, this guy's smarter than me. I want to go, I want to go see what he's got to say. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he makes a lot of sense and uh, backs it up by a lot of facts. Uh, I'm not going to say that I agree with every single thing no. that he said, but you know, but I thought he's a, a really smart guy, no doubt about it. To show you how little I agreed with him, looking down on his front, on the back squat, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think I, oh, I can't be right now. So I, I went and uh, I said, "Well, who who is this guy anyway? Uh, did he was he really a great powerlifter?" So I found his total. And so I, I barely scraped away. He was a two twenty, So I barely scraped around to where I said, well, I did in one meet pick up six seventeen, And if I use that as my deadlift, I was better, you know, <laughs> but I had to scrounge around man to find anything that was anything to compare with him. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, we also had machines as a system for a period of time. Yeah. And what I'll say about that is, you know, of course, you got knowledge, you got a hammer, you got the, the guys uh, who were just adamant about that, arguing at the conferences. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's Dan Riley and the whole nine yards. Of course, he wasn't as combative as some of the other guys back mm-hmm. then. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's real interesting. You know, and I, I did interview with Joe Paterno, uh, 90, I think it was 92, the whole weight room was nothing but machines. I right. said, look, coach, I got to be honest with you, man. I I just want to clean this whole place out and start over again. And so I was like, oh, my God, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get hired here. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, 
you got to be true to yourself every once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, everything's come full circle. And right now, Penn State's got nothing but racks and platforms, what I see. Yeah. And I see a picture of their weight room. So, uh, well, all I can came full, full circle. All I can add to that is when we were struggling at East Carolina when we first got there. And if I saw a team that was coming that was uh, high intensity, like Navy, I felt, yeah. oh my God, this is great. You know, yeah. I felt like our chances just improved, you know, of 20%. Right. So, yeah. Well, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about uh, the discretionary weeks and talked a little bit about the testing and evaluation. Uh, let's go back to the human element a little bit and talk about uh, toughness. And so, you know, there's people out there who are still saying that you can't develop toughness. And, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think you you have to um, develop it to a certain extent. Now, there's always going to be guys that are the toughest guys, and they were bred and raised that way. That's the way I see it. They had the opportunity to have dads there, you know, that did, and, and a dad can make or break an athlete. So, you know, so they can do great things and help them be great, or they can push it over the line and just, you know, hurt an athlete. I've, I've learned that through observation of the years. And, um, but there's always going to be some guys that are just, you know, I call them blood tough that you're going to have, they're going to have to bleed out before they quit. And, yeah. you know, on the other hand, if you get with a group of guys that you care about being around and you want to be part of that team, then you'll raise your toughness level too when you're out there with them. So I think it works both ways. People say you can't um, do you coach, coach effort. To me, Coach, that's what we did as much as anything was coach effort, effort, effort. And um, run beside them when you could do those, you know, when you're healthy enough yourself to do it. Uh, I, I remember all those things because I, I mean, again, I'm getting some chills, but, uh, you know, you just, because it meant that much to you. And when they see it means that much to you, you are their mentor, some, you know, so, so I think you need to coach both of those things, but you've really got to keep a handle on the toughness thing and not get somebody hurt. And then that, that's a hard thing too. It's hard to pull a guy off and say, no, you, you know, you can't do it because you don't want them to get hurt, but that, you have to do that too. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I always believed anything that required heartbeats at a higher level was, was actually making people tougher. And that's why we kept adding 300s, mm-hmm. reducing the rest. And uh, I always believed in what the, uh, our United States military did, did mm-hmm. in relationship. Hey, you want to be a Navy SEAL? You want to be the toughest? What you're going to have to go through to be a Navy SEAL is going to be tougher than anything else that you ever right. do. So, I mean, uh, no, I think it's good enough for me. You wrote the book on it, coach. And yeah. I wrote, I got this book out because I want people to know, is this book available? Can you get this? Yeah, book? It's, on, it's on Amazon. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, I think it's the best motivational discipline group coaching book I've ever read. And, I, and what happened was I don't think it was distributed where people knew about it, but if you yeah, got a chance to get this book you, I, and you're coaching or you're coaching your kid, um, 
get it. It's great. Well, I got out, uh, you know, when I got out, I was just finishing that book. Yeah. So I, I didn't really have a chance to push it like I wanted to, you know. Uh, Collegiate but, Battlefield. Yeah. That's what I encourage you to look for. Co- Collegiate Battlefield. I appreciate that very Coach, much. I'm not, I mean, it's, it's spot on. It's, it's right there. This is a career. This is a man's career and mine too of uh, coaching kids and helping them be tough and be responsible and accountable. And it's yeah. worth the read. Please get it. Well, I, I think there's so many parallels with the military. That's something that I always recognized. And, you know, that's something I just always believe in. And, and I really enjoyed uh, my, my seven months with special ops Marines when I retired, right. when I did that for, for seven months. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was a learning experience for me as well in relationship to what our special ops people do as far as training goes. Uh, yeah. So that was a, that was a great experience. I was real happy to have that opportunity. Uh, so uh, ECU, all right. So I spent 18 years there. You spent five, five. right? Yeah. And uh, and you, you were there during the time of uh, – where there were some very good players there. Uh, Ernest Biner was uh, there. Being, being able to develop those players the way you did, how many of them made it to the NFL. Uh, we're second. So, uh, talk, second. talk a little bit about, you know, they honored that 1983 team this week. No, I didn't know that. I wish yeah. I had known that. Even though they, I should have told you, even, but I had so many things going on. Even though they lost to Charlotte, okay? Yeah, I get you. And that's a whole other story of where the program's at right now, but. Uh, at the same time, uh, I wish you know, I they, they honored those guys, yeah. and and I know that Chuck Northcutt was one of the guys that was really, uh, mm-hmm. uh, really interested and really you know standing on the table for having that having those guys honored. And so you know, go ahead and talk about those guys. Well, I'll tell you this: um, I interviewed with Coach Emery. I told you I just showed up and and we talked. And one of the things he said, "Well, we got the strongest football player in the country." And I'm thinking to myself, "Yeah, all right." I'm sure you do. Well, he did. And Terry Long and Terry Long was an offensive lineman um, that had been, it was older. He'd been in the army and they'd recruited him out of Bragg. And he used to say that he'd be the last one out of a jump out of an airplane. And the first one to hit the ground, <laughs> he, he had a little sense of humor, you know, and yeah. he, uh, he was an athlete. He could run, hit the floor and turn a flip. He could jump, you know, 37, uh, uh, 34 something like that but in those days to do a vertical jump test you did it against a wall with chalk on your hands it wasn't so easy as some of the ways now anyway he was coach i watched him train when i first got there and he did every kind of press you could know he'd do bench press he'd as as heavy as he could go you know for for reps he'd go over and do inclines the same way then he'd set up a decline uh sit-up board for somebody to hand him a bar so he could do decline bench presses. I mean, he just pressed death by press, but anyway, he could squat, he could do everything. And, um, in the, let me say the first time I went to the weight room, it was before the, uh, fall practice had started just a few days before, say a week before that's when I got hired. And, and this is 82 and, uh, they had broken into the weight room and, uh, maybe 10, Plus guys, maybe 12, 15, were doing heavy hand cleans on those platforms in there. And I thought, 
they broke in to do this. And I'm thinking there's something, <laughs> there's something special here, you know? Absolutely, man. And I, you know, I said, I'm not running anybody off or raising hell. I'll try to get a better lock, but th- this is good. This is really good. Uh, so Terry, he upped everybody's training level because of how strong he was. And I, I've, one of the more, more impressive things real quickly with him was I saw him do 275 for five reps on a barbell curl. On a barbell curl. Oh my god! Oh, it was incredible. And then he would sit at a he would sit on a bench, and he had no back support, just a bench they pushed into a power rack. Uh, and he would take that bar off that power rack and do behind the neck presses with three fifteen and no back support. No back support. I've never seen anybody do anything like that. And um, been over road five hundred for five. So I'm thinking, God, how strong is this guy? I said, Terry, uh, how much have you ever done deadlifts? Because we didn't do that. He said, yeah, um, coach, I did them in the Army. I went up to 715 or something, some random 700 number. I said, well, you're going to the state meet because I knew this guy needs to be documented. Yeah. You know, later after the meet, which he, he pulled 837, which was at the time was something like 15, 16 pounds off the world record at the time. Uh, squatted 830 something and um, benched 500. <clears throat> Later on, he said, Coach, I guess you know I was lying to you. He said, uh, I'd really never deadlifted over 400, but I felt like I could pick up whatever I could squat. <laughs> so that was just his mentality, you know? Yeah. It was awesome. Um, yeah. And, I, uh... Yeah. I, I, went to, I went to the Steelers camp yeah. uh, to spend some time with Walt Evans back in the day, and Terry Ooh, was there. Good guy. And uh, basically, uh, Oklahoma drill, he picked up a guy over his head and slammed him. And, I believe uh, it. Terry was, what, 5'11"? Yeah, on a good day, he was 5'11", so yeah. a lot of teams wouldn't even look at him. Yeah, low, uh, low man wins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. But, you know, I he called me and wanted to come back and work as like an assistant to help out in the weight room at ECU. And, uh, Dave Hart wouldn't let me do it. Really? So, uh, yeah. So I was going either way, way, coach. Uh, he had issues. He had some, some issues. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So that would have been a, it could have been great. Yeah. And, it, and it could have not gone so well. So yeah. Tragically, well, uh, he lost him, you know, uh, you got some other people you want to mention? Oh, you know, Ernest Biner was a man. He was a man that was uh, all business and went full speed in everything that he did out there, and um, caused many fights because he did because he did go full speed. Yeah. Ed Emery was a complete uh, wild man and uh, knew no boundaries, but he also had a big heart and he cared about those kids, and they so they loved him. They, I mean, they, and they coach, they practice four times a day during preseason camp. You know, we don't even do two a days anymore, but he went four. He found a way to get out there and do kicking as a practice. They lived in a dorm with no air conditioning, uh, and it's hotter than 40 blue hails down there, as you know. And, um, and they were just, you talk about tough. They, they were blood tough. I mean, most all of them just to get through all of that. And Ed was a great motivator and he knew how to talk to him. He knew the buttons. Um, I could tell you some stories that like, we can't tell on air, you know, that he could push those <laughs> buttons, man. And he would fight. I mean, he would he'd tell him in a, in a heartbeat, you know, you want to fight somebody, 
you call me, I'll fight your ass. He'd say, you know, and he, <laughs> and he meant it and he yeah. meant it. Yeah. But anyway, it was just a really good experience. And what it taught me was the will to win and what it takes to, to be good, you know? So, uh, right. and now was that Emory, the only coach you worked for there or no, I did. Uh, I did it all, you know, back in our days, you and I, we, we've, we've done it all. So, uh, what it usually ended up being was three days a week. I'm working football during that all, during yeah. their off season, two days a week, I'm working the other teams because they yeah. were in season and then we'd flip it. You know, that's kind of how it, how it worked out. How about, uh, with football, were you with Pat Dyer No, okay. no, just, I started with coach Emery and, um, uh, I, I felt, I felt like he taught me how to coach a lot. Yeah. I'm just watching him and being around him. And then coach Baker, Art Baker came in for the last okay. two years I was there and he was, he's a great man, a real gentleman. If there was ever a Southern gentleman, it was him. And, uh, yeah. he, yeah. he brought different aspects to the table and yeah. we weren't as successful, but it was just, let me tell you how East Carolina, a big step for them to, to get good that first time. Uh, we got a lot of players from, uh, Philadelphia, um, a, a program drop football up there. Yeah. And, um, I can't call the name of it. You would know it. It's a, they're a big basketball school, um, in Philadelphia. I don't know, maybe Drexel or something like that. I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, our quarterback, uh, was from there, uh, Kevin Ingram. And he was a great option quarterback, went to the CFL. And um, we had a defensive line, and they were just spot. I, I guess they must have went up there with a the car and picked up about five guys yeah. and brought them back to Greenville. And they were influential in, in skill. And uh, also, you mentioned how many guys went pro uh, after the 83 year. They were second to uh, Illinois, I think. Uh -huh. in terms of guys that went pro East Carolina was. So there was some real talent out there. There was some real toughness out there. Um, yeah. It was a great place to be. It was a great place to start, you know? Sure. Yeah. Well, hey, I felt the same way. I came in in 91. We won 11 games. There you go. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I was uh, uh, through my time there. I, I got to, uh, I got to be on the sideline for 35 wins over, over now power five teams. Yeah, and I'm really proud of that because you know we we weren't supposed to win many of those games. No, no. So and you know and Steve Logan, of course, uh, during that time period, and also with Bill Lewis. I mean, you're talking about like five five now Power Five teams on the schedule. You know, uh, in a lot of years. You're right. And uh, so uh, you know, training the training part of it was important, and I think. Uh, Coach, maybe 11 bowl qualifiers there. And I say qualifiers because, uh, I don't know, two or three years, we didn't get picked. We qualified, but didn't get picked. Right. So, oh, let me tell you, I got a good, uh, funny story about that. Okay. So, we were uh, 82, we went seven and four, a no bowl. The next year in 83, we went eight and three, and we uh, lost to the national champion uh, 12 to seven, Miami. We lost to Florida yeah. State 47-46, and we lost to Florida by a touchdown. Yeah. No bowl. And what I got for my bowl bonus was a turkey, a frozen turkey <laughs> <laughs> from one of the local <laughs> grocery stores. You know, Well, I'm a bachelor. I don't have 
much use for a frozen turkey, but I, you know, of course I found somebody to give it to, but that was my bowl uh, bonus right there. How about that? Oh, yeah, that's awesome, man. <laughs> That'll keep you humble, won't it? No doubt. <laughs> well, then just mentioning UNC, you know, I ended up being there for 10 years, but the crazy part of about it, about it was, uh, well, John Bunning hired me and, uh, before he took the job, they had uh, offered it to, to Coach Beamer, correct? Yes, I guess that's exactly the way it went. And uh, that was a unusual. And, you know, at first, I think uh, most all of the staff wanted to go. By the yeah. time it got here to us, uh, to make for Coach to make the decision, he'd actually – I think committed or said that he was going to go. And then he, I think he got cold feet too. So we had a meeting and in that meeting, uh, people were able, he allowed everybody to, to have a say, you know, and, um, uh, he decided not to go. And I think really, you know, Virginia tech was his school. He played there, he lived there and it just got, too heavy a hand to do to uh to leave it and yeah. you know i also felt and others did too i kind of would shift it over to that camp unless we need we should stay he says in that meeting he asked me he said you don't th- you think you don't think we can win there and i said yes sir i think we can win there but we're winning here and we built this there's there was something about having built a built a program you know yeah. and uh so he made the decision to stay and i think I think it all, again, the good Lord works things out sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my time at East Carolina, we had more success against VTech than we did at, uh, at, at UNC. So uh, <laughs> I think uh, last year, Butch, you know, I think we came up there and it came out with a victory 2010 or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, that's probably a good decision that he made during that time period. You know, Butch got it. I don't know, you know, Coach Bunning. I I loved working for Coach Bunning. I mean, uh, he's just a great man, and mm-hmm. uh, you know what a tough guy who played in the league for 14 years for the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles, and you know, but you know, he he wanted to recruit guys with character, and I don't think he wanted to compromise that very much. That was his main deal, you know. If he mm-hmm. on tape, if you weren't pursuing the ball, if it was away, if the ball was away from you, you didn't pursue. He was, you know. Yeah. He wasn't going to take you, or you know, or, or maybe he thought you had some kind of character issue, right? But his last couple of years, he did a wonderful job recruiting, and Butch Davis uh, benefited from that quite a bit. Uh, so, uh, you know, but it was a it was a crazy time up there, and uh, you know, of course, uh, that thing with Butch at the end was, uh, you know, I got out of there. Of course, uh, yeah, I was very fortunate to get back to ECU and get me another, you know, eight or nine seasons, whatever. And, and that helped me, you know, moving into retirement. But, uh, but yeah, I really uh, I enjoyed my time at UNC. It was a great experience as far as the resources, uh, um, you know, and um, the people that I was able to meet. Uh, so uh, I really treasure that time as well. Right. So it's a. Oh, I, I feel I was coach. How more blessed could I be to go to UNC and they opened the door and let me get in there and learn a little bit and then go to East Carolina where they're so hungry to win and they were going to win yeah. with or yeah. without me, no question. But uh, just to be there and be part of that and then uh, Virginia Tech. So, I mean, I, I had a blessed run, no question. Even uh, when we didn't win, it was okay because yeah. I knew where we were, you know. 
Well, Skip Holtz uh, kind of recaptured the tradition. Uh, uh, I think that uh, that Ruffin McNeil did the same mm-hmm. thing. Of course, he, yeah, he played at ECU, but uh, he had one 10-win season I got to be part of. So I was – and I think we went to three ball. I went to three balls with him so forth. So, uh, uh, you know, I uh, – my my experience and my um, all the different the different coaches that I worked for at ECU, even Scotty Montgomery, uh, you know, I think you learn something from every coach. And I thought Scotty did a good job recruiting. You know, there was just some other major issues, and uh, it's it's not easy to win at East Carolina. Uh, um, you know, so and that's you know a lot of coaches come and go, uh, assistant coaches and head coaches. That's why my most of my career I just try to get you know I like being with the players. Um, I never thought the coaches were going to be around very long, and I never liked all that stuff that went around with blaming you know the offense, defense, or whatever. So I kind of I stayed with the players quite a bit. <clears throat> you know, coach. Um- there were some great assistant coaches at East Carolina when I was there. Uh, John Zernheld, offensive line coach, fantastic coach, uh, person the whole bit. Um, Phil Almation, defensive secondary, and uh, Tom Throckmorton was a def- defensive coordinator. I mean, I was just fortunate to hit a spot and point in time that there were really some good football coaches down there. Yeah, and that continued. I can't even name all the guys that, yeah. that I've coached with at ECU that went on to the NFL or wherever, you know, or became head coaches. I mean, there's there's a ton of them. Yep. So, uh, great place to make contacts that way. It sure was. Then, and Tom Throckmorton, particularly, and Phil Elmation, they helped me get to Virginia Tech. Yeah. So, you know, definitely. Well, uh, let's just talk, go back to nuts and bolts a little bit. You know, we got, uh, uh, this this is this is one of my longer interviews, and I don't really care, you know. <laughs> but we'll, we'll cut a lot of it out, Coach, because I know I'm messing a yeah, lot people, of it. Up. People don't want to listen. I mean, you know, that's yeah. their problem. But uh, <laughs> you know, so we look at the nuts and bolts now. So things that you know, I went I went up to Mickey Marotti's, uh clinic this past year. I mean, we're talking force plates, uh, VBT, uh, Tendo units. Of course, I use Tendo units for a little you know, a long time in my career and I, I liked a lot of things that they did. So same thing with VBT. I mean, that's, that's the same thing we're basically talking about velocity based training, whether you're measuring uh speed or whether you're calculating, you know, you're measuring wattage produced um, the aura rings. Now uh, every athlete at Ohio state, I think has an aura ring for you know, sleep monitoring and then, uh, you know, uh, catapult, of course. Now we don't talk about 40 times. We talk about how many, you know, the, this guy's running 23 miles an hour or whatever. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think these are all valuable tools. I still think the way that I coached, I could still get all these things done and maybe it would help me another 15%, I think. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure I'd want it to help me more than 15% because I still value so much the art of coaching. Oh yeah, and uh, so I'm, I'm interested on your thoughts there. Well, I felt like at the time we tried to stay. Uh, I did. I did tried to stay connected to new things that were coming out, but um, you know, there's a lot of things that come out that aren't worth very much. So you, you know, I always tended to stay with 
what I knew worked, but I, I, these, uh, uh, oh my goodness, you just mentioned it. The very, where you're measuring the speed of the bar or Tendo units. And I like those a lot. I, I like Tendo units. I also, uh, like the tsunami bars, the flexible bars, you know, because yeah. I just, uh, I think it just worked the body so differently. And it also gave them a chance to compete in a different way because I put the Tendos on them and so forth. And, uh, the feel was so different. I like that. And I forgot to mention earlier that I like, I, I embraced a lot of, uh, um, Louis Simmons and his, uh, yeah. training methods. I did. I embraced them. I didn't just go wholeheartedly to them, but I, well, I definitely used bands and chains and, uh, uh, boards and, um, all of those things I'd incorporate. And I really liked when he trained to failure, you know, would do 20 reps on a dumbbell incline and just go balls out with it. Um, but I never embraced, um, the system of running with the, you know, and keeping up with every rep of the, uh, I guess it just wasn't my time, you know, to, to do that. I, uh, I felt like I had a pretty good understanding of what to do with a team that couldn't run, that couldn't condition, that were not in condition and take them through the summer. And one of the best things, the best feelings I got was to see those guys. We typically ran 16, 110s. Yeah to see him crush that test and maybe nobody on the field missed it. And, uh, to again, I get chills thinking about it, but just, just watching them come. And I've done that. I did that 20, you know, 30 years. Um, yeah. I felt like I had a, a handle on that. And, uh, so I didn't go all in with so much of it. I don't know what that aura ring is. Um, I probably had a few drinks or something and thought I did, but, no, I don't know anything about, uh, those things. Uh, and I really don't care enough about it. You know, I yeah. think you you got 18, 19 year old guys out there, uh, running and chasing and doing good luck with that. Hope that works good for you. Maybe it will if they, they're all millionaires and everything, but, uh, I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Somehow we got our names in this, uh, Strength coaches Hall of Fame somehow. I, I don't know. I guess they were they ran out of names, coach. <laughs> yeah. So what happened? What happened? But anyway. But, uh, but anyway, uh yeah, I the art of coaching, I think it's just I think it is definitely an art. I think that you get better over time because of what the, your interactions and what you're observing and, and what you feel certain people could benefit from based on what their test results are, or what their weaknesses or strengths are. And so you're able to individualize. And, uh, you know, I think for about three years at Carolina, I actually tried to, to I actually had about five groups within a group based on their weaknesses and strengths. Mm. I tried to be as specific as possible right. with regard to individualizing programs. Right. Whether they were needed flexibility or, whether they had a low level of conditioning or, you know, I mean, whatever it was too much body fat, whatever. But, uh, so, um, I respect what people are doing now. Yeah. Uh, the, the young people that I helped hired during the last few years of my career, they probably didn't understand me and I'm not sure I understood them fully as far as, you know, what, what they wanted to prioritize and how much value they gave to this technology. Yeah. Uh, 
And well, I think you're right. I think there is a generation gap for yeah. sure about that. And, uh, you know, you hear it all the time, but I think that the great teams would still be the great teams over the years. Yeah. And and most of that is about who's their leadership, who's who their personal on that team's leadership and skill level and all that too. But, uh, uh, you know, we learn from our mistakes and I made so many mistakes that I have to be, have learned something. Yeah. And, you know, and if you're trying, you're going to make some mistakes. You just try to minimize them and not do them again. But, um, coach, I, I don't know. I think sometimes I wish we had an A team, you know, where we could get guys like ourselves and a couple of three others and, uh, go into a really poor situation and try to bail it out. But I'd only want to be there one year. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that would be, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it would be. I think of a few teams right now that need that. Coach, I tell you what, there's some teams. I don't know if you watched this weekend, but man, there's some good football being played. And I wonder if it's because, like Duke and uh, different ones that have come around. Virginia got a huge win. Yeah. And um, I wonder if it's because they're just getting to know each other and, you know, because they're putting these teams together now like free agents. Yes. And if that's got something to do with it, because there's some sorry football out there earlier in the year. And now I see it coming around in a lot of spots. Well, this past week, you know, I see this guy, Biff Pogey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlotte, he brought in, uh, I don't know how many new people he brought into Charlotte. I mean, if you look at the roster, they're from all over the country and one from Germany. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, the, the team from – I mean, they're big. They're big up front on both sides of the ball. So, whatever he did, I think he did a pretty good job bringing in these uh, – even mm-hmm. though he hadn't won many games. And I still don't think they're very good, but uh, – <laughs> but definitely better than they were, you know, before mm-hmm. he got there. No question about that. And they'll probably get better. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. Some of these boys are doing some good physical work in like Virginia and Duke. I mean, those guys are physical. Uh, not, I mean, they're playing more physical. Like, you know, yeah. Virginia is playing physical and Duke is playing physical. I'm just, uh, yeah. somebody's doing some good work there. And the one thing that came to mind that I didn't mention when we were talking about uh, training cycles as far as how much time we had, you know, Steve Logan, he'd give me the red shirt guys. Yeah. We tried to red shirt as many guys as we could because we mm-hmm. wanted to develop them. We needed to develop them. Right. He let me train those guys six days a week. You know, I trained those guys six days a week for like 16 weeks. Right. And we would train before practice. Right. And it was like, hey, if they're a little bit fatigued, don't worry about it. We right. got to get these guys developed. So we'd have that the whole time the other guys were in meetings, we were pounding and you know, we were going to get it for like an hour and a half. Yeah. So, uh, you know, well, that's, that's awesome. You know, I mean, that's, that, that that's really cool. helped us. Yeah. I wish you'd have had a chance. Maybe to you and coach Logan could have, y'all were a good team together. You and he on uh mindset and things. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, that whole thing with, uh, you know, him and the AD kind of fell out after, you know, how many years and and uh when i when i saw that starting to happen and then the ad says to me hey don't worry if uh something happens with steve we'll keep you on with the olympic sports i'm like no nah, i don't think so, <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah. that's uh, i was like no nah. <laughs> no nah, i'm gonna be out of here as soon as i get an opportunity and of course you know god provided me with that but uh yeah. as far as leaving ecu i, I didn't want to leave ecu you know yeah and i don't I know Steve didn't either, you know, but uh, well, you, you built that facility that, um, uh, I don't know where they are right this minute, but, uh, 
you know, the one I've seen down there that you built, that was a great facility. You know, you did a lot of great things there. I had some input in that, but, you know, when I first came and flew in in, in 91, Henry Van Sant met me. And, uh, you know, we, you know, Henry, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I loved Henry, man. One of yeah. my favorite people. And, uh, Henry was awesome. He said, I want to show you a weight room we just built. It's one of the best in the on the eastern seaboard. I said, all right. <laughs> and so I went in there and saw that 5,000 square feet. I said, yeah, that's pretty nice. But, uh, you know, I don't think Henry really knew what was going on as far as no. facilities. <laughs> he's, probably, he's a little pre-weights yeah. uh, kind of guy, but a great and, guy. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we trained every team in 5,000 square feet for 10 years. Wow. And, uh, you know, you're talking about 400-some athletes. Yeah. And I had one full-time assistant, two GAs. I think my GAs made 350 a month. So, yeah, Coach. I'm, you know, uh, way, you know what? I started at 35 as a, a head strength coach. Yeah. Uh, now you get the guy from Michigan making a million, I guess. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> when, let, let me you uh, the older pirates will appreciate this we were in that uh warehouse is what i called it but it had been everything from the allman brothers playing there as a nightclub and to uh <laughs> to the union carbide plants how it started i think but anyway uh when i was there they had a big area right next to the weight room was a bingo parlor and all right yes indeed and so literally you know smoking and bingo go hand in hand oh yeah so we would roll in there after these guys after practice sometimes and lift and they'd be starting up their bingo and the smoke would just be rolling in under. And so you'd be trying to teach somebody how to do a squat and you hear B 24. It had, <laughs> I mean, it was an experience now, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. I used to go to bingo with my grandma, man. Yeah. Yeah. At the, the, the church, the church basement. <laughs> so yeah. When I was a little kid, all right, I'm gonna communicate with Bubba a little bit there. Uh, so yeah, let's kind of start wrapping it up with uh, your life influences. Uh, I'd love to know more about your relationship with with Coach Beamer and uh, some things about him that you uh, you felt contributed to his great success. And then we want to talk a little bit about your family now. And uh, okay, of course you got a bow. I got a bow. How about that? You know, Mine's so, a, mine is a B.O. He's, he's yeah. not. But, uh, yeah, I sure do. Yeah, so. Um, yeah. You want me to just start with the influences? Yeah, that'd be good. My dad was a big influence on on uh, me. And uh, I've got a brother who is a high school coach. And he retired just this last year in Winston-Salem. He was at Mount Tabor. And uh, he also worked in the administrative offices there for the county forsyth county for a lot of years and uh he my dad influenced both of us in that he was a tremendously hard worker and he was a korean war veteran and he never said much i i'm trying to think of the uh the movie story that i used to that uh, was hard a real hard guy you know and uh my dad reminded me of him because uh, if he said to do something, you, he meant for you to do it and he meant for it to be done right now. And then uh, there was not a lot of wiggle room, you know, he uh, became a sergeant over there and 
short period of time. And he just kept it pretty tight, you know, not, not bad, but tight. And I respected it. And, uh, um, he was a huge influencer for me. And, um, as far as coach Beamer, uh, I like coach very likable and easy guy to work for. He allowed you to do your job without micromanaging it. And yet he supported you. And that's the best you can get as far as I'm concerned. So he, he allowed, he never questioned anything physical that we were doing to the, unless some, something happened that caused him to like, if we're doing some kind of test or something and a guy might, if he pulled a hamstring or something, well, that's, that's problem, but not the kind of problem that where he's going to just lose himself. You know, yeah. he was, a, uh, he was very easy to work for. He's pretty much what you see. He likes to have fun. He likes to laugh. Uh, but he's a hard worker and he went through, we actually lost to East Carolina early on. I tried to tell him, you know, I don't think for a minute, these guys can run. I tell them, I show them the results, you know, times and things like that. Well, they, for whatever reason, when we first got here, a lot of our Virginia tech coaches didn't believe it, but they learned to believe it on the field out there and coach Emory, uh, coach Emory, coach uh, Beamer actually had a heart attack on the bus and just kept it to himself and got home. And, uh, wow. I mean, that's a pretty good ride, you know? So the next day they get him to the hospital, you know, right. and he, so he has major toughness, you know, he'd been burned as a child and had multiple operations. So he, the man's plenty tough, but he doesn't wear it on his sleeve. And, right. uh, he would try to help things and help you. And, and I think Shane will have, I hope he'll have a good run down at South Carolina. I don't know if he'll have a good run at South Carolina because that's a hard place, but I bet he'll have a good run overall. And, uh, yeah, it uh, seems sure. like he's doing a great job. I think lost to Missouri. I know yesterday. Yeah. But, uh, man, they, I tell you what I saw last year is those kids were playing hard for him. Yeah. And, um, that, that was good. Good to see that. Uh, Bo's been a tremendous blessing in my life. Um, he's made my life complete. Um, uh, I met Louise, my first wife at East Carolina. And, um, although it didn't work out for the long run, having Bo has made all the difference. So I'm, uh, uh, I'm going to talk to him later. We usually talk every Sunday and, um, that's uh, I don't know what more to say other than I, I hate that he's in Los Angeles. He's working for Netflix. He actually got a, a nice degree from tech. Uh, mm -hmm. He was a walk-on football player, so I got to see him every day then. And um, he is a market, not marketing, uh, finance major, and yeah. he's really done well. And I'm, I just awesome. wish he was closer. I just wish he yeah. was closer. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. My bow is a. Uh, Emergency room paramedic here. He was in the fire department as well, but he got out of that. And he's uh, going to be an RN as well. He's also a combat medic for the Air Force, Stony Air Force. And uh, I don't see him much because he works so much, trying to make a little money because he got married and had a baby. So I got a little grand granddaughter now, uh, Maggie. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> but always great to have your family near. Uh, Michelle and I, we have both sets of our parents here in town in Greenville. So, oh, wow. and I, it's so, so good to be able to be there to help, you know? Yeah. So, uh, well, uh coach, my mom and dad, still my mom and dad are right at 88. <clears throat> how about mine too? Uh, and 
before we get off here, I, I want to make sure everybody knows I have tremendous respect for you. And I think that, uh, you're, I've said this to you many times. You're the most honest person I know. So if you want to know the truth, or if you don't want to know the truth, don't ask him, you know, cause he's going to tell yeah. you the truth, you know, and I really it, done well. It I gets me in trouble sometimes, but uh, yeah, you're, <laughs> you are correct about that. You know, but, uh, but yeah, it was just uh, so great to reconnect and, uh, kick some things around and uh yeah i'm gonna keep doing these podcasts maybe we'll do another one to get yeah. chip segment on here and kick some stuff around yes we uh, need I to get one chip. with chip and I, yeah yeah, so, yeah uh, we'll, get, we'll kick that a team around get that a team going yeah. yeah that's right yeah no doubt about it i keep telling al johnson that uh hey man he needs to bring that a team in at one of these conferences and let us do a little bit of uh what do they call that when they have a, a panel together? I don't know what they call that. I think he's going to do that, Coach. He was talking about it. Okay. So he, I think he may follow up on that. Be careful. He'll call you. I won't be able to tell you much about a force plate. Uh, you you forgot more than about a force plate. <laughs> so, yeah. That's good. All right. So uh, we'll see you again soon, Coach. Okay, uh, I'm going to go you. ahead and sign off. Uh, this is – Coach Jeff Connors signing off for Absolute Empowerment. We'll see you next week, and God bless. God Thanks bless. a lot, Mike. Thanks. You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. And go Pirates!